0: The unwritten rules of Facebook. It cut all of our ad costs by over 70%. How do you want to be able to take in all of this data that's around us? Some of these campaigns have done
1: up to $20 million in sales. I think
0: this is going to be the future for the next 10 years.
1: And now here is The Win with your hostess, serial entrepreneur, marketeer, and chief sexy boss, Heather Havenwood.
0: Look, our whole world revolves around our iPhone, iPad, Droid. You know they say we look at our phones on average 150 times a day? And if you're a small business and want to actually grow, you need to reach people where they're looking at and listening the most, their smartphones. See, marketing via text messaging is a great way to start and it's super easy. Just text the word start to 72000 to learn more about my friends at Mobit. They're marketing experts, and they will show you how to use text messaging for your business and to get more leads and convert them amazingly. Again, text the word start to 72,000. Again, that's text the word start, S-T-A-R-T, to 72,000. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Okay, so you guys know that this podcast is about entrepreneurship. You know that, talking about focusing on your business, how to build a business, how to make money, how to get out of your job, if that's where you're at how to get unstuck. But this month, I've had two people who will come on my podcast as my second one, who is in the political world. <laughs> so today we have someone in the political world. Jennifer, are you on the line? I am on the line. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, sure. So we're going to talk politics. Now, we're, we're not going to go in the, the world of politics, but we're going to go in the world of the business of politics. Sounds good. Because at the end of the day, Jennifer, I don't get it. I really do not get it. There's all these talking heads on all the different CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, and whatever. And somehow they get paid. And it's like fascinating to me. You know, like it's it yeah. really is fascinating to me. So I just want to acknowledge that you are a political girl. But first, I want to tell people who you are. So Jennifer Brinney is the host of Congressional Dish, a twice monthly podcast exposing the secrets droned out by the partisan noise of the United States of Congress. That which is a lot. You could be talking for years on that.
1: By interpreting <laughs>
0: legislation, summarizing congressional hearings, and following the money. Okay. Now, let's talk about that. Let's follow the money, shall we? We all know that Congress takes money from us, right? And then they like put it out to the world, what they're supposed to be, quote, unquote, doing and not doing. But my question is, the people that are not on the payroll of the United States government, aka congressmen, which, by the way, I completely disagree with the fact that Once you leave Congress, you get paid forever. Let's not go there for a second. But political analysts, how do they get paid? Well, political. are you talking about the people like on TV? I guess. I feel like everyone's come out of the woodwork this year. Like, I'm a political analyst. Like, great. How do you get paid for just talking and flabbing your lips about who you like and don't like?
2: Well, some of these people have contracts with the television stations that they're on. So that's why you see the same people come back on, like, let's say, CNN or MSNBC. You'll see the same faces over and over again. That's because they get a contract, and you know everybody in television at the very least is paid through advertising and so and a lot of times they're paid by the by the candidates so if you think about it this way like Hillary Clinton's a good example because she's raising an enormous amount of money.
0: Oh, and- no, not Hillary raising an enormous amount of money to doing nothing. Really? Shocker. I know, just
2: right? Kidding. She's she's raised $47.5 million from the securities and investment industry alone. That number just like boggles my mind. And that's not like including her Senate tenure. It's only for this election. $47.5 million from the big banks. Like I'm in the wrong
0: business. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, should I should think we all are. <laughs> I, was... I should create a foundation and everything I did was for the foundation. Anyway, go ahead. You're you had a point. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> well, the point is that they raise all of this money. And if you think about where the campaign money goes, an enormous chunk of it goes towards buying advertising for themselves on big media stations, whether it's television or radio, but like televisions, the lion's share of it. And so if you think about it this way, Hillary Clinton raises her money and then buys television ads on CNN, MSNBC, and then that is what pays the political analysts and the people that host the shows. And so there's a big old circle jerk going on when it comes to money. They're all paying each other, which is why they have this incentive to talk up certain candidates or to make polls seem like the election's closer than it is or make it seem like it's a bigger blowout than it is. But the system is very much, when it comes to the television, it's all together. It's all colluding and there's a big transfer of money just going around and around and round with these people that have the power and the influence. And it's disturbing. It should really bother people.
0: It should bother people. Oh, it should bother people. I mean, I love a circle jerk. That's great. It is this big circle jerk of because <laughs> I have true. a way with words. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go for it. It's all good. Because it's the truth. Right? And you know what's interesting when I was a, when I was in high school, I don't know if you did this, I had the I think it was college or high school, I can't remember. We did the let's go to Washington, D.C. group. Did you have this? You signed we up and like the whole school or the whole whatever group. It was like a 200 of us all went and we walked around Congress, all that crap. Right. <laughs> and I, I remember there was only one place I remember. We went to um, who was the congressman? I can't remember who I went to. The guy's still around, still taking money from us. The guy's still around. I can't remember his face right now, though. And I just remember going to his office, and there's like 20 of us. So they all show up, and you know, they do the kissing hands and loving baby thing. And we show up at his office, and they have all these people around. There's all these assistants and stuff walking around. And of course, he's not there, of course. And so we just look look around or something like this and go, wow, it's a really cool office. And then I remember specifically, there's a point. So I remember specifically, we're going underneath. There's like an under, how have you been in Congress? There's like underneath, little, there's all these. You're like walking underneath the street and stuff, you know, like the tunnels, Yeah, the tunnels, all these tunnels and you're walking and there's all these people that are congressmen walking in the tunnels all day long. And so we go to the actual Congress and they're live and they're, they're voting on stuff. And here's the thing we noticed because we're at the top. Remember the top area, the top areas where the visitors say, I look around, there's not anyone there. Yeah. is that a trip isn't isn't there supposed to be here to vote like i don't know what i'm talking about right and i'm like isn't their job to be here to vote like isn't that what they do you know and they're like well yes but you know not really and so the guys up there gaveling away we're voting on the blah 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 and there's no one there Mm -hmm. and i kind of got confused at that moment and that was the moment that i said i'm not going down the political world, because this makes no sense. And now, <laughs> well, it winner. makes sense if you know where they are. Yeah, where are they? That's my question. Because this is before cell phones, right? So they couldn't like, you know, I'm voting for blah, blah, blah. And it comes through some thing. This is before cell phones, guys. So like, how does that work?
2: Well, where they are most of the time, like when they vote, they actually have a, a chunk of time, they usually have a, like 10 minutes. And so they can just run in, vote really quick, and then go back across the street. But that's where they are most of their time. They're across the street at the phone banks. Because there is a rule, a law actually, that says that a congressman can't sit in his congressional office and make phone calls asking for money. And so they actually have a room full of telephones where the congressmen go across the street from the Capitol and they dial for dollars all day. So that's why when you look at, I mean, you can see this on C SPAN. You'll see that there will be a big debate on some bill and there will be five people debating. Well, that's because the other 430 of them are chasing down money for their next reelection. It's absolutely scandalous. And I've gotten this confirmed from people who are in the House. So yeah, that's that's where they are most of their time is just raising money because they say it takes about a million dollars to win a congressional office at this point in time. Now, I don't think it always has to be that way. Mm-hmm. I think with the Internet, someone's going to find a way to do it without money. But as of right now, where the television is where, you know, people people use the television to get their message out. Well, yeah. these big media companies, they don't give politicians like free time, as I think they should, mm-hmm. they charge for that. They charge a lot for that. And so they end up having to raise a ton of money, or at least they think they have to. They also have the option of winning the election and just serving the people for a few years and going home. No, but they don't
0: do that. They don't do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that would be pustachrist. I'm just kidding. So you have here on, I'm looking at your little sheet here, and you have something here that just kind of intrigues me. It's called last minute government funding. Mm-hmm. A tactic that allows scandalous bills to secretly become laws. Okay, see, I don't remember reading this or learning this in a history class. So <laughs>
2: you didn't learn this tactic. No. What is that? So it's something that we're actually seeing happening in real time this year. So I'm really glad that you brought that up because the way the government is supposed to be funded is there's supposed to be 12 different. They call them appropriations bills. So when you hear appropriations, think funding.
0: I hear that all the time on. Um, I'm a Fox News girl. But I don't know what the heck that means. We have an appropriation bill of the House. And I'm like, I always don't know what that means.
2: It's funding. It it's just funding. Yeah. So I, whenever I talk about appropriations bills, I just call them funding and people understand. But they like to use these long, fancy words that we don't understand so that we stop paying attention. I think that's a tactic, too. But yeah, appropriations bills are funding bills. There's supposed to be 12 of them that are carefully crafted in a committee and then each voted on in the House and the Senate. If they don't agree, they're supposed to go to a conference committee where the House and the Senate send people to work out the differences and then have that done by the end of the fiscal year, which is September 30th. That doesn't happen. I mean, they, they work <laughs> on this stuff, but like most of the time, I've been doing this for four years now, and almost every single year what happens instead is they take the current numbers and they mm. extend them for a few months. Right between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so, right now in Congress, that's what they're working on. You'll hear something called a continuing resolution. And think about continuing. You're just continuing the funding for however long. And so, what it looks like right now is they're setting up the same situation. They're going to have the government run out of money between Thanksgiving and Christmas when we're not paying attention. And instead of having 12 separate bills, they'll have one giant bill. It's usually around 2,000 pages. And they'll jam it full of stuff that couldn't get passed into law otherwise. Because if you think about the strategy, if you take a little tiny bill that the president wouldn't sign, but you put it in this big bill that people don't have time to read, and then you say, well, if you don't sign this, then we're going to have to shut down the government. It's like
0: Obamacare. No one even read that thing until it got passed.
2: Well, that's not exactly true. (laughs) Uh That's that's a rumor. It was a complicated bill to read, though. I actually did an episode on that. Yeah. And that was the problem. All of the amendments, they never put them in an order where the bill made sense. So there was a lot of work to figure out what was in it and what wasn't, but the time was there. But that's that's yeah, besides the point. The point is that this is a bill, based mm-hmm. on my previous experience, that I expect to be available to read for less than three days, because that's how it's been every other time. And we're talking thousands of pages. And so stuff always gets signed into law that just shouldn't be if it was done separately in fact there's a lot of bills that will pass like let's say just the house of representatives and then Mm -hmm. they'll stop and they'll get jammed into this government funding law and so that's how a lot of things when people go how the hell did this become a law well that's how it's done you stuff it into must sign legislation and that's how it's done and so it's happening again you can watch it right now in real time and i think the date for this one is going to be like around december 11th from what i'm hearing
0: that's interesting. You said that, of course. I mean, that's, um, it's always a little scandal. I have to ask this question. How in the world? Did you wake up one day when you were 10? Like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Like, how did this happen? No, not at Are all. Are your parents happy? You know what I mean? <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> Are your parents excited about this? Like, yeah, my daughter, she's so smart. and She's wasting her time talking about politics. I'm kidding. By the way, I have no idea. I'm curious. How did this come to be? You know, actually,
2: I was raised by two Republicans. And my parents always listened to talk radio. And I went to a private high school. So I felt like a prisoner. Because for 20 minutes there and back, it would be like Rush Limbaugh on the way to school and Dr. Laura on the way back. And I would just like want to yell, you know, like back at these people and be like, I don't know what you're talking about. So it's like, I would just get really irritated with having to listen to that. But like, when it's drilled into your brain, you internalize it. So When I got to vote, I voted for George W. Bush in 2000. (laughs) I was 18. And I did that because my parents were Republican. And then three years later, I was really escaping a bad breakup. And um, (laughs) and I went to Germany and studied abroad my junior year of college. Mm. And that was the semester that we started the war. And so I didn't think much of it when Bush got elected. I just kind of assumed we were going to attack Iraq again because that's what his dad did. And I didn't think anybody cared. And then living in Europe, I realized that people care very deeply. And I, I remember the exact moment. I was in Rome and there was me at the Colosseum and my hotel on the other side of town. And in between us was a million people protesting the war. A million And then we weren't allowed to get into bars and clubs that night for our own safety because we were Americans. So it was just like a really jarring experience, which made me ask the question, why? And that's how it all started. I just said, so why are we starting this war? And so for a few years, I was really miserable to be around. (laughs) I was blaming everything on the Bush administration. I was just like, they're so evil, blah, blah, blah. And it was my dad who, in frustration, pointed out to me that the Bush administration couldn't have done anything. They couldn't have started a war. Or really anything that they did without Congress being complicit, because it's exactly. Congress that declare's war, and it's Congress that controls the money, and it's Congress that has all the power. and yet I didn't know anything about Congress and so fast forward years and years and years later, I was trying to figure out, you know I, I wanted to just create a living for myself where I get to research and learn and just you know read my books mm-hmm. with with a purpose. I realized that I don't know where to get information about Congress in an easily digestible form. Mm-hmm. So I created the podcast that I wanted to listen to. And that's really how it started. I just from the minute I started asking why every answer I got led to even more questions. It's so and, um, true.
0: That's that's really true. I mean, that's. I mean, really, you think about it, because I'm just recently not to interrupt you, but I just recently just got really into politics really heavy in the last couple of years. And it is like that. It's like, well, why? Well, that makes no sense. Why? You know what I mean? It's like constant yeah. why and why and why. So that's what you do now this is this is your job. this is your job, right? to explain it to us in a congressional dish
2: It is it is it's taken me four years to the point that any money is coming in. I'm definitely not rolling in it, you know, but <laughs> I'm not well, I'm not pulling you... in wolf Blitzer money, but I'm doing okay, and that it's just so nice to be able to kick back on the couch and like read a bill and be like, oh, I have a reason to do this now. I'm not gonna get yelled at by my boss for like you know, wasting company time on figuring what's going on in the world. So it's um, interesting
0: that you can read a bill. I mean, read the bill. I've never read a bill. I can be honest. I say that I'm I'm most American, by the way. I've never read. Yeah, most Americans haven't. You know, I live in Austin, Texas. Okay, where do you live? I live in just outside San Francisco. Okay, got it. So I live in Austin, Texas. So I'll give you a little scoop what's going down with Austin, Texas, little politics here. So I live in Austin, Texas. I live in the what I call the center of it, right? So I live in 7874, which is where Zuko Park is, it's like, it's the center of the city, okay? It's like the heartbeat. So they have this thing called Uber, you ever heard of it?
2: Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yes. <gasps> Uber. Yeah.
0: Like, it's awesome. It's entrepreneurial. We have horrible transportation here issues here in mm-hmm. Austin, Texas. So when Uber came here, it was like a godsend. I mean, I live literally 1.5 miles from 6th Street. And oh. I well, it's a big drink in town, it's a big drink in town. So we never I mean, I never hardly ever went to 6th Street or anywhere down there because um, one it's expensive to park and two, one, even going home 1.5 miles, the cops make a crap load of money on DWI. So it was not worth it. All of a sudden Uber came around. I'm like, oh, my God, I could go for five bucks. This is great. Back and forth. You can drink whatever, have a couple glasses of wine. My boyfriend and I were always using it. Plus, there's a ton of conventions in the town. And I hated parking downtown because it was a little expensive. So I would use Uber. Plus my car gets banged up. All kind of fun stuff. So this is great. It's all <laughs> going great. Uber's great. I have a ton of friends who are becoming Uber people and they're, they're making some extra money. It was great. It was awesome. Freaking loved it. One time I got an Uber ride from this hot guy and Alexis. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> okay. Well, then there's this thing called politics and the city council was all up in arms about Uber. How dare they come here and make money? So what we found out is Ann Kitchen, who's um, on the city council, who, by the way, lives in my neighborhood. I'm not kidding. Like literally 500 feet from me. And her husband is the lobbyist for the cab companies, mm. right? So she fights this tooth and nail and tries to shut down Uber. Well, Uber pushes back and we have a city vote, okay? The city voted. Now, it was not a regular time voting. It was like random, like on May 10th you know, or something. It was like a random vote and you're only voting for Uber. So it wasn't like a regular time for voting like November. And then they spilled all this money into the antichrist of Uber, which is crazy. It made no sense, right? They would say things like, Uber's taking jobs. Now they're providing jobs. Uber's making us unsafe. Now their DWI rate dropped almost 15%. Yeah. Okay. We're like, you're so full of it. So I thought for sure this would not pass, right? And the Uber would stay. No, it was like this tiny slim margin because people got confused, right? How they they flip-flopped it. If you said no to Proposition 7, you were for Uber. That's how they flipped it. Say no to Proposition 7, which means that you wanted Uber. But saying yes to Proposition 7 was actually no Uber, but they flip-flopped it and how you read it. If you didn't really careful, like you wouldn't understand. Okay. Yeah. So they flip flopped it anyway. Uber's not here. It was anymore. And that means Lyft is not here. Uber's not here. It's a pain in the butt. And what happened after that? Within two weeks, X Games pulled out. Wow. Massive money, millions of dollars. And I'm like, congratulations, Anne Kitchen. Like, what did that do? What did that serve? How's that going over there for you? Served your husband. It did. But the question for me, that's when I really started getting into politics because it's stuff like that that they get slimy about. Mm-hmm. And it's really not helping people, you know. Within a month, the DVRI rate went up seven percent. So enough about me, but I this is how I got into <laughs> politics. I mean, you know, I live and breathe it. It really affects you, you know.
2: Absolutely, and that's such a perfect story to show people that voting matters because it does affect your life. You know, people tend to just turn off politics, like oh, it's so gross, I can't deal, and then they wonder why their paycheck isn't as big as it used to be or why they're paying more for their health insurance than they used to before. I mean, I just read yesterday that employees are paying a higher percentage of their health insurance than they ever have been. So it's like, this stuff really matters. And it affects all of us, especially like I'm paying attention on a national level. So one law can change things for every single one of us. And it's to our detriment that we don't pay attention. And unfortunately, reading bills is not the easiest thing in the world. And so we have a journalism class, at least the people that are paid really well. I do know people that are doing excellent work, but they're generally independent. But these big newspapers, I mean, they don't have the incentive because like I said, these candidates are partially where they get their money from. They get their money from candidates and corporations in the form of advertising. And so they're not incentivized to tell us exactly what's going on. They're incentivized to please their customers, which are candidates and corporations. So because we have this big media circle jerk, we are not told how this stuff affects us. I was finding that to be so frustrating. Like, the story like you told is happening all over the country. And I just, for my own knowledge, was like, I need to go to primary sources. I have to go and read the damn bills myself because I don't trust anyone to tell me. And so that's why I did this. And then also, another part of it, you know, you can trust a journalist all you want, but we're now in the age of the internet where you can provide your sources. You can provide links. So if you're doing an article about a bill, give me a link to the provision in the bill you know, where it says what you were telling me Mm -hmm. and they don't even do that. So that's what I do too. I outline the whole bill so you can go and check my work because that is where we are in the state of media where we can't trust anyone. So I'm just trying to operate on the fact that no one should trust me. (laughs) I'm going to give you the information so you can double check it. That's where we're at, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And I think as the internet becomes more of a staple of our society, because it sounds like you're as old, not as I am, When we were kids, this wasn't a thing. So it's still in its infancy. And I think we're starting to learn how to deal with the amount of information that we're getting. And we're starting to learn about how much of it is false. And just the fact that you and I are having this conversation and you were able to find out like, oh, this chick is married to the taxi guy. Like, that's incredibly useful information. And as we go forward, I think it's going to happen more often that we can see behind the curtain. It's going to be harder to hide.
0: Oh, and we also have WikiLeaks. There you go. Oh, I love WikiLeaks. <laughs> I love that guy. He's like, hello, I'm Sweden. I'm stuck in an embassy.
2: <laughs> I can't get out. But I'm doing it for the people. Let me show people. you Hillary's
0: emails. <laughs> Let me show you all his her crap. And you know how it's also love, just because he's so passionate, Alex Jones. I mean, I'm here in Austin, right? So you have to love Alex <laughs> Jones. Because you and I both know, because he's kind of out there, who, that I love. You know... He has a bodyguard, multiple bodyguards, because you know they want to take him out, right? You know that. Probably. Oh, yeah. He talks about it. Like, they want to take me out on multiple levels. They, meaning, You can name what they is. It could be the, you know, the Obama people could be Hillary could be who
2: I think the easiest way to put it is the elite because they exist on both parties and they work together. They do
0: the elite. I don't think it's a left or right. It's really the elite. They really want to take them out. But I think what's cool about it, their focus now, their death wishes on WikiLeaks. They've moved away from Mm. Alex. So now WikiLeaks dude is um, is definitely on their hit list. Okay, so question. I'm looking at your website, congressionaldish.com. Go check it out, guys. And you have something called the Electoral College and you have this green reaper looking image that looks like <laughs> death warmed over of a house. that looks very scary. And that's pretty interesting. So let I just want you to talk about that because honestly, I don't get it. I just saw the other day on Fox News or something, they just showed the United States and they had the red, and the blue really quickly. And if you just looked at the map like quickly, you would see like you saw all this red, like whoa, the red which they had as a Republican, is like beating the blue. But then you looked at the numbers and the blue is beating the red. I'm like, what? That makes sense. So explain to us the Electoral College, can you?
2: Is that cool? Oh, yeah, definitely. That was what my last episode was on because I didn't really understand it either past. Like the question that made me want to do an episode about it was, what if no one hits 270? Because there's 538 electors that the people are competing for. And if you only have two candidates, the goal is to get more than half of them, which is 270, and then you become president. But this year, so many of us, myself included, just can't vote for Trump or Hillary. They're just both completely unacceptable to me. And so what happens if someone comes in and spoils it and doesn't allow either one of them to get to 270? That's what Mm -hmm. the news is not telling us. They're not telling us the what if. So it turns out that the what if is If no one hits 270, then the House of Representatives picks our next president, which I didn't. Yeah, the House of Representatives would pick. So this is what's crazy. Every state has um, at least three electors Mm -hmm. and it's winner take all in all but two states and the two states are tiny. So it's mainly a winner take all situation. So this House of Representatives is super Republican. And so if Gary Johnson and Gary Johnson alone were to be a spoiler, then the House of Representatives would pick the president between Hillary, Trump, and Gary Johnson. They would have 3 names on their ballot, not 2. So Gary Johnson would get onto that ballot, and if you look at like the political dynamics right now, there are plenty of Republicans that find Donald Trump to be completely unacceptable in this House of Representatives. So Hillary would obviously lose in this scenario because the House of Representatives would pick. But between Trump and Gary Johnson, that's an interesting scenario because Gary Johnson used to be a Republican when he was the governor of New Mexico. And so if we wanted a spoiler, I saw this path that is not only possible, but I think if he wins even a couple of states, I think he might actually become the president because that's all he would need. He would have to be the number three person who gets the electors in the Electoral College. So it's a fascinating system. And if that were to happen, the vice president would be picked by the Senate, completely independent out of two So Gary Johnson's vice presidential pick probably would not be the person it would probably be Mike Pence. But yeah, it's just a crazy, ridiculous, unfair system where small states, because they automatically get three electors, like regardless of their population, like for instance, Wyoming gets three electors, Mm -hmm. which means that California loses some electors, California is actually short 10, after all of like the dividing up the of the rest of them is done. So it's an incredibly unfair system. That was my last episode. I definitely explained it better there.
0: But um, yeah, well, it, it, I just asked you really short you have to figure it out. So go check her out, congressionaldish.com and click on the episode of Electoral College. But, but did that make any it, sense? Like, oh no, Yeah, totally did. What you're pointing out is there's another possible path. And I yeah. want to bring up that I have a, another theory on my, on my path, right? Because I, I, I have a little bit of conspiracy theory going on in my head. So that's kind of where I come from. But here's another one I call the Obama third term. And I didn't make this up, but somebody else brought it to my attention. I'm like, that's possible. Okay, so here's my thought. All right. So that Hillary gets, quote unquote, elected, whatever. And she's too sick <coughs> to to do it. <laughs> Something happens. And she's <coughs> too sick to do it. So Obama, what I heard, this is what I heard. Now you tell me the law. The law was like, if she gets elected, and then she's too sick to take it in January, or or she gets indicted between let's say November 5th, right? November 8th, I'm sorry, and January 21st, right? She gets elected. She is now the incoming. However, she gets indicted. And I heard there's a law on the books. You tell me if I'm wrong. There's a law that says, you you know, we cannot put a criminal pretty much into the White House. So it goes back to Obama. Now, that's what I heard. What do you?
2: Well, I have never heard that. But even the story doesn't really work because she would have to be convicted. An indictment and conviction is... are two very different things. What if
0: things. she is, though? What if they're waiting until after November 8th, like November 10th, they'd be like, boom, you are now. There's indicted. not enough time to convict
2: her before January 20th. All right. All right. We're too here. close. And the thing is that we would be voting for a president and a vice president. So what you'd probably end up with is Tim Kaine. Oh, <laughs> Yeah,
0: <laughs> sorry. Not
2: a yeah, the, both of okay. the options that we have from the big two parties are terrible options. They really are. Okay, well, there goes my theory. Sorry, guys. Sorry, and
0: I hate to burst your bubble, but no, although maybe that's a good thing that... You never know. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I'm not trying to make that happen. I'm just saying like, there's another theory. All right, so here's, here's a question. So you, twice a month, you do the podcast Congressional Dish, which sounds like to me, it's less about political theory that we get every day, day in and out right I'm mm-hmm. um, like CNN Fox News but more about like the reality like this is what's happening yes.
2: yes i am sick and tired of turning on the news and seeing people predicting the future i can't deal yeah, I so <laughs> i'm talking about things that have happened and how it happened and who paid who to make it happen so i'm very much looking in the recent past to try and understand what's going on right now i really don't deal much with the future the electoral college episode i've done two episodes on the election i did one for the primary I told people how I was voting and why. And then I got a lot of people asking about the general. So I was like, "Okay, fine, I'll tell you how I'm voting in the general election, but you're also going to learn about the Electoral College at the same time. And um, actually, when I looked into the Electoral College, that's what made me decide how I was voting, because I did see this other way. Jill Stein, she's a great lady. But if you were to go to the House of Representatives with three people on the ballot, Hillary, Jill Stein and Donald Trump in a Republican Congress, you end up with Donald Trump. So she's just simply not an option. Yeah. And so Gary Johnson is it. But that that's the only time that I've even touched the presidential election or did any kind of like, here's a future scenario that we should play with here. Most of the time, I mean, I've done 133 episodes, 131 of them are about this bill passed Congress. This is moving through Congress. This happened. You know, I just did one on why did we bomb Libya? That completely blew my mind. I did one on the anthrax attacks that people are so obsessed with. So it's like, I look back and say, this is what happened or this is what we can, this is what we know, or this is part Mm -hmm. of the story that you haven't heard. I don't know what happened, but it's all about reality, not the future, which I think is an important distinction because turn on CNN right now and they're just arguing with each other about what they think.
0: Oh yeah, it's just blah, 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 blah. blah. I don't. Yeah, I have to say this and I have another question for you then we'll wrap it up. I have to say this, that what I've noticed in this, this particular political cycle, as they're calling it, Is that the journalists, which I thought were designed to give us the information, are becoming opinionators? Mm -hmm. I don't need to know what you think, Anderson Cooper. Okay. Yeah. I don't care. You're just a talking head to me. Your job is to look pretty, which you do. You're pretty. (laughs) Which he does. He's a a pretty pretty, man. You're a pretty man. And to keep your sexual orientation out of it and keep your opinion about it out of it. Okay. I think it's, um, and I'm not picking on him. It's just one of them. They're all of them there. I don't need to know, you know, and you're not a celebrity to me. You're on TV and your job is to give us the information and you're way overpaid. Okay. I just, I don't like the fact when the journalist becomes the expert.
2: Oh, yeah. And Anderson like Cooper is that. such a good example because <clears throat> not only does he make a ton of money, he's a member of the Vanderbilt family. So
0: if you want to talk about <laughs> elites, Oh my Lord. Oh my God. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, he did the right thing by changing his last name because yeah. if he was Anderson v- Vanderbilt. Uh-huh. I mean, that's, you might as well just be, I mean, what's another major. I can't even, A Rothschild, Rothschild or a right, Roosevelt? Yeah, like Jennifer Rothschild. No, I'm not completely a snob. No, no, I'm yeah. I'm real. I'm down.
2: Real. I'm not. I'm not in this cycle of money. My family isn't. You know, one of the biggest banking families ever to have ever existed. No, no, no I'm just a regular guy, just like you guys. See me? I'm in the water at Hurricane Katrina. I'm just like you. <laughs> just yeah, a regular
0: gay guy that looks pretty. Like this. And like as a
2: dude, I like him. So it's yeah. like, if you want to host American Idol, like go for it. But I'm so with you on that. Like, I'm not interested in the personal lives no. of journalists, which I guess is really ironic for me to say, because I do share some of mine in my podcasts. But I also feel like I feel like I'm a podcaster. So I'm just trying to be like, so this is what I found, guys. Like, I'm not trying to be like them, be you know, like, I'm not going I'm not doing this so that someday I can get to CNN. Like, no, you know, I'm just doing what I do. So it, it but yeah. I do feel a little guilty to be like, I don't care about you. But I feel like TV journalists should have a bigger responsibility to they the public should. because they're speaking to all of us. And then on
0: the other one is Stephen Snuffleupagus. I can never say his name. Snuffleupagus. Yeah, Snuffleupagus is. that?
2: <laughs> I mean, it's like, actually Stephanopoulos, but Snuffleupagus. I don't think
0: is Sesame Street. <laughs> he should be a quote-unquote journalist and then give all this money to one side. Yeah. Like no 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 yeah. no no no. Just don't do that, dude. Like just not. Just don't go there. You know, it just it's then you then you have the audacity to interview both of them. Come on. I mean, dude, really? You know, so I just don't like that kind of stuff. Personally, that's my little take on it. I'm sorry, Anderson Cooper, you're pretty.
2: Well, and they get to stay on TV because they're safe. Because if you get a high level official that sits down with an Anderson Cooper, you know that his questions are going to be pretty easy. Otherwise, Uh he wouldn't have access. So the really good journalists, they get thrown off the air really quick. Um, Cenk Jünger is a beautiful example of this. He was on MSNBC for a while. He was angry at everyone. He would ask real questions. And he got booted off of MSNBC. They put him into the weekend and just kind of like slowly put him out. But he had an amazing conversation with the head of NBC that said, you need to stop railing against the establishment because we are the establishment. And he said, okay, screw you all, I'm out. And now he's doing his own internet show, which is actually getting bigger ratings than the cable TV stations. That was a really interesting look behind the curtain where he got to go there and said, they told me we are the establishment and there are things I'm not allowed to say. Just kind of confirmed it for all of us. that, so like, okay, that's a corrupt medium. You shouldn't be getting your news from the TV anymore.
0: I mean, people Greta do. just left. Greta just left um, you know, the, the record with Greta on, on Fox News. She just left last week. Now she's thinking that she left, right? But it's kind of like random that she left it was after 14 years with no no place to go. She just left. I'm like, hmm, something's going on there. You know what I mean? Yeah. she put it out there that everything's fine. I'm going on vacation. But I'm like, hmm, Greta, three weeks ago, I saw you on on your show and you were, everything was great. Now I was like, oh, I'm leaving. I'm like- <laughs> Did she do a harsh interview with someone or? No, I think it's a, it's a whole Roger Ailes thing. It's tied up in that thing. The Roger yeah. Ailes and Fox News and the sexual harassment dealio. So uh she somehow got blackballed in that deal. I'm not sure the whole like details because they're not sharing a lot, but she stood up for Roger Ailes. I know that. And then all of a sudden she's like kind of getting booted, kind of not kind of like leave it on her own terms type of thing.
2: Can I ask you a quick question about Fox sure. News? Oh my God. <laughs> about Fox I'm, just, news. I'm just curious, like, do you watch it for like entertainment
0: or do you watch it for news? Mm, that's a great question. So... I'm a Megan Kelly freak fan. I love her to death. <laughs> now, I'm very, see, I'm very aware, though, that most of the stuff on there, there's moose cycles, and they're told what they need to talk about. I'm very clear okay. about that. I'm also clear of the quote unquote Fox News contributors. They all have their own little contributors. Okay, like, you're my contributor, you're my contributor, and you're going to come on and they all kind of like hang out all day and go on all the shows. Like, I'm clear about that, too. I'm clear about like what happens. For me perspective, I think with with Megyn Kelly, I really like her style. She's mm. a little bit more like me. And she's done things like, "Uh, that's not true, dude. Like, she'll just say that. Yeah, and, this is my show. No, no, you're actually incorrect there. Like, she'll just say that versus a lot of them try to be the journalist and just let people just run over each other. So I think I like I just like watching her. So cool. That's why.
2: <laughs> Thank you. I'm always curious because when I meet like, People that
0: pick a channel, I'm always just like, why? Yeah, that's just my little, and you know, they do have a, what I call a little bit of a Republican slant. They really don't. I mean, they all have their own little in, back and forth stuff. But because ever since I became a podcaster, I'm now listening to shows differently. Like I never listened to Rush Limbaugh in my freaking life. I now listen to him here and there. Why? I'm more listening from how he shares a story and what his view is and how he's sharing his view. From a media standpoint, like learning from him, not mm-hmm. what, not like trying to agree or disagree with his view, make sense? Oh, that's interesting. But yeah, it definitely does. Dana Lash, another one. Dana Lash is phenomenal. I met her. I uh, got a, a book, you know, her book, and uh, I got to meet her. And I just, I just really love her. She's here, in, she's in Dallas. She's she's with the Blaze Network. I listen to her for the same reason. She does a three hour show every single week, but then she puts it on podcasts and gets syndicated. So I'm listening to her f- to her from a career perspective. Right mm-hmm. Now, sometimes I agree with her, sometimes I don't, but how she handles interviewers, how she communicates, what's her stick, right? From a business and marketing perspective, media perspective. That's so, smart. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And some people you like, some people you don't. Right. So what I find is the ones that I'm very anti and everyone knows this. I'm a, a very anti Gary Vee. Can't stand the dude. Can't. Stand <laughs> the dude. I'm out there. I'm going to tell you.
2: I you just found out who out. he was. And uh, this is funny.
0: I'm I'm sorry, dude. No longer, dude. Okay, dude. Party on, dude. Like whatever, Gary V. I can't say the dude. I seriously, I literally walk. He's come on. I work, Gary V. And I walk out. I'm like, I'm out. See you later. So yeah. I can't say anything he says. <laughs> so and I'm telling you this publicly. I mean, we're being recorded. I'm not gonna cut this out. I think honestly, is because when you are in a particular medium, you start listening to other people from a different perspective not necessarily to get their education from, but to maybe question what they say. Yeah, right? that's that kind sense. of where I, I come from at this point. So I, this is about you, not me. Jennifer. Sorry, I definitely turned it on you, didn't I? <laughs> you did, which is okay. I mean, I talk, but this is your time, girl. This is your time. This is your time, Jennifer. So I just want to like wrap it up. What else you got going on? Because I got support. congressional dish and I'm barely keeping my head above
2: water with this thing. So right now I'm reading a, they passed an overhaul of education policy. So in the next two days, I'm reading 400 pages of an education bill, and I'm going to try and stay awake. And <laughs> So that wow. should be one of my next two episodes. It just depends on how difficult this turns out to be. And then I'll do one episode about the story of the 114th Congress, just kind of summarizing the whole thing, because we vote three episodes from now. So it's this election's coming up quick, and I just want to get people as much information as possible about what the job performance was of Congress before they hit the, the ballot box. And then we have to deal with the lame duck session mm-hmm. after a presidential election mm-hmm. is the most dangerous time of the election cycle because what happens is there is a gap where you will have fired a bunch of congressmen, but they keep their power until inauguration day. So from election day to inauguration di- day in January, These people are still free to make laws, and they're lining up their jobs with whatever, like lobbying or consulting firm, and they're passing favors, and they're setting up the situation where they can jam those favors into the government funding laws. So the last time this happened in 2012, we saw one of these must-sign legislation had something attached that allows indefinite detention of Americans. So that's the kind of level of horrible things that happen in lame duck Congresses in an election year. So actually, I feel like when the election happens, that's really when my job starts. I'm really nervous about this in December, about what's going to get signed into law as not only congressmen are on their way out the door, but the president. So this
0: will be a very
2: interesting few months coming up.
0: Well, I'm pretty impressed with what you're doing. I say keep it up. You're doing great. I think you should. Thank you. Have a book out and all kind of fun stuff. I mean, you're doing, you're doing great. Like, really keep it up. You're doing great because I think um, you have a, a particular niche in the marketplace, which is look, we're not going to read it. You know, so we at least want to know someone's reading it on behalf of us <laughs> and explain yeah. it to us. I mean, you really have a, a big job. So I appreciate you being on here. Go check out Jennifer at congressionaldish.com. Go check her out. Or you can go check her out at Twitter at Jen B R I N E. Is that right? Uh, Briny. Brine. So like salty. salty. Jen Briny. Yes. Jen Briny. could okay, check her out on Twitter. Hit her up. Uh, ask her all kinds of questions. She'll probably be able to help you out. Go check her out at congressionaldish.com. Thank you, Jennifer, for being
1: here. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Thank you for listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Interested in coaching with Heather? Go to heatherhavenwood.com and sign up for a business discovery consultation. Here is your free gift for listening. Get three audio chapters of Heather's book, Sexy Boss, How Women Empowerment is Changing the Rulebook, when you text the word sexy to 7200. Again, text the word sexy, that is S-E-X-Y, to 7200 and receive your three audiobook chapters. Number is good only in North America. For outside the USA, text sexy2 plus 1 323 457 double double Text sexy2 plus 1 323 three, double double Long distance charges may apply. Heather wants to hear from you. Questions you want answered on the show. Comments. Interview requests. Email media at sexybossinc.com or leave a private voicemail, 51 Boss Is Me. Again, the number is 512 4763 Check out all of Heather's sites, heatherhavenwood.com, sexybossinc.com, e2lab.com, datingtriggers.com. This is a sexy boss rap. This podcast is a copyright of Havenwood Worldwide, LLC.